Hey, we're so excited you chose to tune in with us this Wednesday night, and uh, we're just going to play a couple songs, and uh, and as we do, I just want you to feel free to worship along with me at home uh, or in your car or wherever you happen to be tonight, and uh, so anyway, before we before we get going, let's just say a quick prayer like we always do, and uh, let's just welcome the presence of the Lord. So God, we do thank you, Lord, for your goodness, and uh, Lord, we just ask that right now, Lord, that you would help us draw close to you, and uh, Lord, we just thank you for being good. Lord, we, uh, we welcome you here, and Lord, we just want to draw close to you. Lord, we lift our hearts to you tonight, God, and we just welcome you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The light of the world, you step down into darkness. You open my eyes, you let me see. And beauty that made this heart adore you And hope of a life spent with you Come on, this will be your part, so here I am So here I am to worship And here I am to bow down And here I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely You're all together worthy You're all together wonderful to me King of all King of all days, oh, so highly exalted in glorious in heaven above. And humbly you came to the earth you created, and all full of sin became poor. Oh, you became poor, here I am to worship, and here I am to bow down, and here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, you're all together worthy, you're all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know, and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross cause here I am to worship and here I am to bow down And here I am to say that You're my God You're all together lovely You're all together worthy You're all together wonderful 
for to me Oh, so wonderful to me Oh, he's so wonderful Is there is power in the name of Jesus If there is power in the name of Jesus If there is power in the name of Jesus To break every chain, break every chain Break every chain and break every chain, break every chain, and break every chain. Cause there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, you break every chain, you break every chain, break every chain, you break every chain, all sufficient and all sufficient sacrifice so freely give such a price for our redemption heaven's gates swing wide oh cause there is power in the name of Jesus there is power Every chain, break every chain, break every chain. You break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Cause I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains, I hear the chains falling. Oh, I hear the chains falling. Is there is power in the name of Jesus? There is power. And there is power in the name of Jesus To break every chain, break every chain, and break every chain You break every chain, break every chain, 
you break every chain. Hey everybody, welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad that you're tuning in uh, on this Wednesday night. Hey, we have a few quick announcements. First of all, we have several prayer times throughout the week. Just to remind you, Monday night from 7 to 8 o'clock uh, here in the sanctuary. Then we have Wednesday prayer from 12 o'clock noon till 1 o'clock. Thursday from 12 to 1, we have our ladies' prayer. And then Friday morning, we have prayer from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Listen, our nation needs prayer. We need prayer. And so I want to encourage you sometime during the week, come to prayer, and that'll be good for your soul. Second announcement is this, just to, to let you know, I think a lot of you know, but our kids, are most of them are back in full swing. We have our preschool that's meeting upstairs in the kids' zone every uh, weekend service. That's 6 o'clock Saturday night. That's a uh, 9 and 11 Sunday morning. So preschool will meet upstairs, and then our elementary is down at Powerhouse. Again, that's all three services, uh, 6 o'clock Saturday night, 9 and 11 on Sunday. So our elementary, you can just take your kids to Powerhouse, and you can check them in. Uh, right now, our nurseries and our My Zone are not meeting, so uh, we will let you know uh, when that changes. But listen, we have a great kids program going on for our preschool and elementary. We want to encourage you to come out. Things are safe, they're clean, and they're fun, and our kids are learning a lot about the Word of God. Amen? Uh, well, for our offering today, I just want to say thank you for giving. Thank you for supporting your local church. Uh, right here at the be below me on the screen, you can see several ways to give. Uh, easiest way to give is to text 84321 with your amount, and you'll be prompted from there. But listen, when we give our tithes and offerings, it makes a difference. We're able to help people in this city, in other cities, and also around the world. So I just want to say thank you for your giving. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest speaker all the way from here, uh, Church of the Rock, Texarkana, it's Pastor Michael. Pastor Michael is our Kids Zone pastor. Him and his wife, Lyric, they lead our Kids Zone. And listen, they are doing a phenomenal job. But Pastor Michael is just a gifted teacher. He's going to encourage you tonight. He's going to challenge you tonight. So like always, I encourage you to take notes because note takers are history makers. But uh, just so proud of, of Pastor Michael. You're going to get a lot out of this. He's got a lot in store for you. And uh, so does God. So listen, we're glad that you're tuning in. Thank you so much for being a part of this church, and we'll see you next time. So I've been studying a lot lately in the Beatitudes, you know, that, that the Sermon on the Mount, that little teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I've, I've really been reading it and studying it lately, and I think that this should be required reading for every Christian at least once a year. And when I say required reading, I don't I don't mean it like uh, just casual, you know, reading as you go. I mean, like, we need to study this in an academic sense because I think it's so important for our lives as Christians. You know, we all want to be blessed. We all want God's blessing, and he freely gives it to his people, absolutely. But Jesus, in this specific teaching, he kind of puts an asterisk on blessings, right? He, he says, if you want to be blessed, this is how you should live. And so uh, I've really been looking at one particular verse, and it's, it's just been all over me the last few weeks. And it's in verse 9 of chapter 5 when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, we live in just the craziest time in America right now. Uh, regardless of uh, which side you're on, I think we can all agree that there is an ever-increasing need for peace 
to be made in our country, regardless of your political stances, your social stances, your moral stances, all of that aside, I think that most level-headed, good-hearted Americans want peace to reign supreme. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And this word peacemakers, I just, I can't get it out of my head. No matter how hard I try, I just keep coming back. And maybe it's the situation that our nation is in right now, but I, I have just been consumed with this word peacemakers, okay? And it's a concept that we're all, we're all familiar with, right? Like, uh, in 21st century English, the word peacemakers, we're all familiar with it. And it has certain, uh, certain connotations with it, right? Like in our minds, peacemakers, you might describe someone who's a peacemaker, someone who's uh, meek, someone who's calm, someone who's, you know, level-headed. And, uh, but usually a peacemaker would not always be someone that we look at as, as like a, a policymaker or uh, someone of, of strong opinion. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, peacemaking today might even be viewed as kind of a, a secondary quality or uh, in the vernacular, a sissy quality, right? It's, it's one that's like less desirable in people in leadership uh, than say boldness or other like, more strong uh, styles of leadership. And, um, it, it'd be nice, I think we, we would all agree, it'd be nice if our leaders could be peacemakers, but we are more than happy to follow someone that is going to aggressively and loudly and boldly push our agenda. Peacemaking kind of comes uh, to, to the back end, right? It, it, it becomes more of a soft secondary characteristic. Uh, but it's important to note that our understanding of the English word peacemaker does not satisfy our need to understand what Jesus said when what he said we translate as peacemaker, okay? Because I'm not sure if you know this or not, but Jesus wasn't speaking English, was he? No, of course not. And even if he was speaking English, the English he spoke 2,000 years ago would be completely different than the English that we speak today. Language is always, uh, it's evolving and growing and changing. I mean, you take words like awesome or gnarly. You know, back 100 years ago, those words meant, uh, had a much different meaning than what they do today. You know, gnarly back then would have been something gross and grotesque, whereas, you know, in the 80s, 90s, gnarly started to become, uh, it started to mean cool or or awesome. So it's it's, you know, language changes and evolves. And so we need to, to understand what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are the peacemakers. We have to go back and look at what Jesus was talking about in his original language and in his original context because uh, the Bible was not written in English. It, it wasn't written to us at all. It was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. The, the authors of the Bible were not thinking about people in America in 2020, right? The Holy Spirit was, but the actual written words were for people of that time and of that era. So I started looking at what peace means in the context of the Bible as a whole so that I could for more fully understand what Jesus meant when he said it. Because, you know, the Bible is like, uh, I like to think of it as like a TV show, okay? So we have the New Testament and the Old Testament. We have season one, the Old Testament, and season two, the New Testament. If you just came in and watched season two of a show, you would be able, you know, you'd eventually get introduced to the characters and, and uh, their names and their, even the issues that are going on in the season. And you can appreciate the whole second season of that show 
uh, in and of itself. And if it was only two seasons, you could see the end and see how all the characters, their stories kind of wrap up and, and, and are finished and all of that. But without a doubt, if you've not gone back and watched season one, you're going to miss stuff, right? Like that's just the way that it works. There's going to be references in season two. There's going to be characters that maybe maybe don't pop up until the end of season two that, oh my goodness, if you watched season one, you know exactly who that is. But if you haven't, you're like, wait, who's this guy? You know what I'm saying? So if, if you want to understand a show fully, you've got to watch all of the show. You've got to watch season one and season two. Not that you can't appreciate season two on its own, but to fully understand it in its wholeness, you have to go back and look at season one. And so to understand the Bible, we have to look at it from front to back. We have to follow threads that are created in the Old Testament and see how the Holy Spirit fulfills them in the New Testament. Okay, so here we are uh, in the Old Testament. I started looking up uh, what, what it means, you know, in peace in 2020, okay, peace means we usually think of peace as like the absence of war or the absence of conflict. And while in scripture, it absolutely 100% can mean those things, it's so much more than that. Peace in the Bible is not just the absence of conflict, but it's rather the presence of something else all together. And so let's, let's, let's dive in. Let's look at what this is. So the word for the Old Testament, uh, the word for peace in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word shalom, which I'm sure, you know, we've, we've heard this word before. Uh, but in the New Testament, the Greek word that is used for peace is erene, okay? So we're going to talk about shalom, and then we'll get to erene here in a minute. So shalom's most basic meaning, if you go back to the root of the word, what, what it means at its most simple form, it means complete or whole. Okay, so it's actually, if you go back to its basic form, the word shalom is a masonry term. Okay, so uh, if you've been reading along with our Bible guide, we've been reading through the book of Joshua. And in chapter 8, verse 31, it refers to a stone with no cracks that's been uncut or that is whole. And the word that we translate as uncut or whole it is a word that comes from the exact same root as shalom. Okay, so basically a stone that is shalom, complete, without break, without cracks. All right, y'all with me? Um, so think of a, think really of a stone wall, okay? A, a stone wall that stretches across uh, the front of a city, and it's made up of a bunch of different stones, but it's all one, right? There's no cracks. Uh, there's no gaps in the wall. Think of a, a whole wall that is complete and in a state of wholeness, Okay. And shalom means basically something that is complex with many moving parts, many different parts, but that's in a state of completeness or wholeness. And it carries with it oftentimes in scripture, a connotation of safety or welfare for everyone in society. Another example of this to kind of unpack, again, this, this idea of what shalom means in the Hebrew is in Job chapter five, verse 24, where Job, he knows that his tents or his household is at shalom or our shalom, our complete or at peace because none of his sheep or none of his, his uh, livestock are missing. Okay, so his home is at Shalom because everything is there and present. When David visits his brothers on the battlefield in 1 Samuel chapter 17, our English translations say that he asked them how they were doing. But in the Hebrew, he literally asks about their Shalom. He's trying to see their, their state of mind, see how they are, how their spirit is. Are they whole? Are they broken? Are they hurting? Okay, 
So in essence, the Old Testament view of peace or the Old Testament view of shalom is that life is complex. It's full of moving parts and and relationships. And if any of these are missing or out of alignment, your shalom begins to break down and it needs to be restored. In fact, when you use shalom as a verb, it literally means to make complete or to restore. And I think this is important because the whole point of of my searching, the whole point of, of what I'm talking to you about tonight is how we can become peacemakers, how we can make peace. You know, God brings a peace with him. His, his spirit, a fruit of his spirit is peace. And while, you know, when I'm going through a difficult time, when I'm going through a storm in my life, when, when things are just not looking good, I can go into the presence of God. I can seek him in prayer and, and read the scriptures, and I can feel a feeling of peace that only God can bring. And that is a biblical principle. But when Jesus tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be children of God, what we need to do is realize that, oh, there is a type of peace or there is a meaning of peace that I am called to make. Now, that's through the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, but it's something that God is just not going to put on people, but it's something that his people need to actively participate in, okay? So how do we make peace? How do we do peace? How do we make shalom? To make shalom, how to make peace in the Old Testament is to bring, make something complete, For instance, the peace offerings in Leviticus chapter 3 and 7, they were one of the blood sacrifices that helped atone for Israel's sin, okay? Uh, And of course, until Jesus was able to come and be our perfect sacrifice. So this literal offering of shalom in the Old Testament is what helped mend the broken relationship between God and man, albeit it was simply a band-aid. The real thing that brings our relationship with God together is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, but we are going to get to that in just a minute. So a couple more Old Testament examples really unpacking this idea of shalom. First Kings chapter nine, verse 25, Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. When he finishes building the temple, he literally brings shalom to the temple. It becomes shalom. It becomes complete when it is finished, okay? In Exodus chapter 22, verse four, uh, when your animal accidentally damages someone else's property, you shalom them by paying them back in full, or you take what's missing and restore it to wholeness, okay? Y'all with me? Proverbs chapter 16, verse seven says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. To make shalom with our enemies is to restore broken relationships. And uh, when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it wasn't just a ceasefire. They don't just stop fighting, but they start actively working for each other's benefit. There's a difference between a ceasefire and peace between two nations. Y'all see what I mean? The word shalom is used over 200 times in the Hebrew scriptures, and the vast majority refer to completeness or wholeness in relationships, whether those relationships are between God and man, whether those relationships are between nation and nation, or whether they're between individual and individual. So this is uh, Old Testament peace, Old Testament shalom. But how does that tie in or how does that connect to the New Testament, Irene? Well, uh, the prophet Isaiah looked forward to a day when there will be a 
prince of peace that comes or a prince of shalom and his kingdom where there will be no end of shalom, okay? He will make a covenant of shalom with his people and fix everything that is broken. And this is why Jesus's birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene, the arrival of peace. Think about Luke's, uh, Luke's gospel chapter two. Jesus came to offer his peace, his wholeness, his completeness to others. For instance, like in John chapter 14, verse 27, when he says, my peace or my Irene, I give to you all. And this led the apostles, specifically Paul in Romans chapter five, uh, they led them to claim that Jesus made peace with God and man by restoring our broken relationship with our creator. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 14 and 15, Jesus himself is our peace. He is our Irene. He is the whole, complete human, sinless, full human in, in God's original design for mankind. That's what Jesus is and who I am made to be, but I fail to be every day. We are called to do for others what Jesus did for us. And that's to bring peace, shalom, erene to the world. This requires humility, it requires patience. It requires just an abundance of love on our part. Peace is not just something that we feel, but it's an active effort on our part to participate in the life of Jesus, who, as Colossians 1, chapter 19 and 20 says, who reconciled all things in heaven and earth, making peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus came and gave his life to bring wholeness to the relationship between God and man. He brought peace to us through the blood on his cross. Peace isn't just something that we passively feel, but it's something we have to actively participate in. Peace is more than just calm in the storm. It's a complete restoration of the way God intended life on earth to be. Peace takes a lot, a lot of work. True peace is taking something that is broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether that's in our lives, in our relationships, or even in our world. There has never been a time in my life that peace has been needed to be made more. And it is our job as Christians, it is our calling, it is a biblical mandate to go out and be peacemakers, to make things whole again, to restore relationships, to restore hurts, to restore families back together. That is our job as peacemakers. And there are a thousand ways in which we can do that. But the thing that I want to leave you with tonight the thing that I think this is most important, why, why did I just waste 20 minutes of your time talking about this, is because peace has to be made. It is not just something that comes to us. Yes, God brings peace. God absolutely brings peace in the storm. But beyond that peace, that inner peace inside of us, God has called us, Jesus tells us, go out and make peace with others. He says, go out and 
restore relationships, go out and make things complete again, because that's how he gave it to us. We are the ones that broke it. Our sin and our disobedience to God is what destroyed the perfect world that he gave us. And so it's our job through the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and restore relationships, restore what's been broken, whether that's been broken by our own selfish desires and actions, or whether that's been broken by attacks and assignments of the enemy, it doesn't matter. We have been empowered and instructed by Jesus himself to go out and make peace, make erene, make shalom, completeness, wholeness, restoration. That is our job as Christians. So as we pray here tonight, I just want to challenge you. Look in your lives. Look in your communities. Look in your homes and see where there is an absence of peace. Where are the cracks in your wall? Where are the gaps in your wall? And then we need to pray and ask God to show us how to fix those. Prayer is where it starts. Prayer, we cannot do anything without prayer. And my grandfather used to say, anything that's not worth praying about isn't worth doing. It all starts with prayer. But that's just it. It's a start. That's where we get our marching orders. That's where we get our instructions to go out and fix what has been broken in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with humble hearts, with patient hearts. Right now, Lord, we see that our world is broken. We see that our nation is hurting and broken right now. Our wall is missing bricks and stones and it is cracked. And Jesus, we pick up the assignment today. We pick up the instruction that you gave us to go out and make peace with the world. So will you show us how we can do it? Will you give us strategies to how we can go into our nation, go into our communities, go into our homes and, and bring the peace of God into those situations, how we can fix relationships, make whole these relationships, God. We need a strategy, but more than a strategy, we need your power. So Holy Spirit, come and empower us to fix these things, empower us to make right what the enemy has tried to twist and destroy and pervert. We trust you, Jesus, and we look to you for your guidance. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.
so happy that you chose to tune in with us tonight and uh, we just pray that you'd have a blessed evening. 